0: Every country, Dreams. you know, we can work together and learn what we need to meet the challenge. Traditional skills and modern techniques, whatever language you speak, you have a world to offer every day. Climb with the ISA. Welcome to the ISA's Science of Arbor Culture Podcast Series. This series was developed by the International Society of Arboriculture and is brought to you by the Bartlett Tree Expert Company, caring for America's trees since 1907. This is Tom Smiley at the Bartlett Tree Research Laboratory with this month's podcast by Dan Staley. Mr. Staley is an urban planner on Colorado's Front Range. This podcast features his talk on arboriculture and solar power. It was originally presented at the 2012 ISA International Conference in Portland, Oregon.
1: So basically what we're gonna be talking about is the intersection of arboriculture and solar access and solar collection in the city. So we're in three parts. We're going to first talk about the background, a little bit of background for you. Then we're going to look a little bit more detail about uh, what solar installers do. And then we're going to talk about how we can put those two things together and form partnerships from the business opportunities that we're going to learn about throughout this presentation. So a little bit of background first. What we're going to talk about is solar energy collection, uh, solar access, and uh, of course you probably uh, know the reasons for conflicts, but we're going to get into that a little bit first thing that's important to understand is that solar movement is consistent and predictable. It's always been that way. It always will. We tell time by it. We used to navigate by the sun. Solar energy collection. uh, Solar uh, uh, cost of solar production is falling rapidly and as the uh, cost falls, the global installations are climbing rapidly. By 2020, some project that Solar will be uh, retail equivalent of electricity in the United States. And at that point, 7% of all global energy will be uh, created by solar. So right now, uh, in some states, leasing is the best option. You do not have to buy a solar panel. Uh, or a solar panel array, Uh, you can lease them now in about six states in the United States. It's growing every year. And uh, just a little bit of money down, somebody will pay you to put a solar array on their roof. So what that means is your electricity bill goes down um, and uh, more solar collection will occur in the city. That's happening in uh, Colorado especially. You see that uh, seemingly every day in a neighborhood uh, where I live. And so one other thing is that we're now realizing that a house with a solar panel array visible from the street sells for more. If you put Energy Star uh, equipment in that house, it sells for even more. So people recognize this and they're willing to pay a premium for that house. So real quickly, the types of solar energy collection, you're probably familiar with these, and this will be a recap. So first of all, we have photovoltaic, and you see that either on a roof or on the ground. So real quick, does anybody have uh, a rough idea of how much energy one panel generates? Anyone? Excellent, 200 watts a year, that's about right. Anywhere between two and 250 watts. And so you can look at a roof, do a rough count, and do a little bit of quick, easy math and uh, figure out how much energy they're generating. This house is probably selling some back to the grid. That's a lot of power. The next one is solar hot water, solar thermal. Generally, what you're doing on a roof is this is your domestic hot water. That's your shower, that's your laundry machine, your dishwasher, something like that. Two or three, you're probably heating your house uh, with some hot water as well. Um, On a pool, that's probably doing a couple degrees extra work um, on a pool. The last thing is concentrated solar power. If you have flown from the East Coast to Southern California in the last couple of years over the Mojave Desert, you've seen these things. Basically, what's happening here is uh, you're heating up something in there, generally water, creating a steam turbine and generating electricity that way. Of course, that won't work in a compact urban environment, but it does in the deserts. Uh, Northern Africa is expanding rapidly with these things, signing a lot of contracts to generate electricity. So solar access, what do we mean by solar access? What is that? Is it just some simple thing or is it complicated? The law in the United States is complicated. I won't get into that today. We don't have the time. Uh, Likely, you'll see an article by me coming out soon explaining the law a little bit more and what makes solar access in the United States and Canada complicated. Basically what we have is we know that the sun moves in the same path every year across the sky. It also moves in the same path in a place. And so generally, if we have a solar access law in the United States or Canada, it's restricted to a period of time, either between 10 o'clock in the morning and two o'clock in the afternoon, or nine in the morning and three o'clock in the afternoon. So this window has to be kept clear to collect sun. So help us visualizing that a little bit more. So on the left here you have what's called a solar path diagram. You can have one of these on any point on this planet or you can have one on Mars too. Um, this is over my house. So when we look at this in 3D, we project the solar path across the sky dome. I happen to choose 9 to 3. So this is what our solar access zone looks like for 9 to 3. So I take the sky dome away and we have a wedge. So basically our solar access zone looks like a big piece of pie in the sky. And so that's what a lot of us want to do is we want to have more solar access we're reaching for that pie in the sky. Our width of our wedge is either determined by the solar access law that we have or the one that we don't have and how much power we want to collect. So again, many places, have a 10 to 2, you may be familiar with the uh, case in California just uh, several years ago um, that they had to cut down some redwood trees and the governator uh, signed into law 10 to 2 access. Um, I prefer 9 to 3 because you average that out, you're generating at least 50% of your power available uh, during that time. So what's important about the wedge or the pie in the sky? Why is that important? Because it's a fixed wedge, it never moves, and with any distance we can use a little bit of math and figure out the height at which that obstruction, trees, will penetrate the solar access zone and, and cut our power. And that distance can be anything. It can be a setback, it can be another tree, it can be the neighbor's house, uh, tree across the street, whatever, it doesn't matter. So just to recap, in the background, the sun path is fixed and knowable and never changes. Solar collection is increasing because the costs are plummeting and we're now leasing, so there's a lot more panels going up. So two of our three main collection types are viable in cities, photovoltaic and solar hot water. Our solar access zone is a wedge. It's our little pie in the sky. And we can use that zone to determine the height of an object, whether or not it will penetrate now or in the future, and a conflict for solar access is something that grows into the solar access plane. So we already know if it's a house and it's already there, we already know that's a conflict, and the problem is the tree, and what happens with the tree 5, 10, 15 years from now, will that grow into the solar access plane and cut our power? So what do solar installers do? Do they just find a spot and start putting up solar panels and call it good and start collecting energy? Of course not. So what they do is call a solar site analysis and they use a couple of different instruments to do that. These are gentlemen showing two, this is an analog instrument here and this is a digital instrument. Both of these are uh, widely used. The analog is of course a lot cheaper. So basically what you have is your, this is your solar path diagram according to the latitude where you are. This is the electronic version. So this gives you an electronic uh, readout of your little eye where you are. And so if you don't like your sight, you can just move over 10 feet and get a new reading and see if that's a little bit better for you. And this will output uh, some data for you there. So these are some students learning how to use the cheaper analog version. And what this student is doing is she's outlining the obstruction. We'll see that more in a minute. And that's important. So here we have uh, the use on a roof. So here we have a professional on a roof. Is there anything missing from this professional on the roof? Yes, exactly. So he's held up by a handkerchief. And so who's going to warranty that readout if something goes wrong? Oh yeah, fall protection too, forgot, yeah. So what does the output look like? What happens after you uh, look at a site and uh, see some trees or see clear? So basically, here's a man about ready to use this site. He's got his card and then he's drawn the obstruction on this site across the solar access plane. So this is three o'clock in the afternoon. We're starting to get obstruction over about half the year in this area here. We'll look at that more here in a minute. So it's very common for someone to take a picture of your obstruction. You can imagine what this thing might be right here. And this is a neighbor in their line of trees over here as well. So this is two o'clock. This is three o'clock. So you can say for a good chunk of the day that existing tree is already there. Here's another view. Uh, Looks like a small suburban lot or maybe something like that. Here's a neighboring house. Here's three o'clock. Here's another neighboring house right here, so a small window to collect solar energy. That may or may not be a good site. Here's another one, a little uh, slightly different view. You can see over here, here's the line of neighbor screening trees, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, right now they're good. So. After you do all your collection, you take all your pictures where you create a report for your customer with uh, software uh, available to the industry. And so the detail isn't important. You don't need to know all this detail on here, but you give the customer all sorts of output, including how much you're going to save per year. And this particular place here uh, has about $280 savings per year, so you can do the math on how much of the installation will be and whether or not you want to do that or when your payback uh, time will be. So electronically, so a lot more options with electronic output. So again, this is the LED screen that you get on your little handheld thing. You can move around, see if this one place is better than that other place. It's a lot easier to do. These uh, equipment pieces cost more though. Uh, Here's another one here. So you've got a couple trees in the backyard. Here it is, 2 o'clock. You've already got some obstruction for about half the year. 3 o'clock, you're pretty much done. Uh, Output right on the screen, right there, how much uh, uh, annual solar access you have. You can do plug-in software to have different output types. You can get aftermarket software to do a little bit more fun analysis. There's a couple of different companies that do this uh, sort of thing. So you can uh, change the tilt on your array. You can do all kinds of different things. You can also start from square one uh, with an architect and a surveyor, and you can get um, uh, work uh, with the architect and start working on um, different designs. You can change the orientation of the house or the roof, that sort of thing, as long as you have a good survey. There's um, architectural drawing equipment that allows you to make these changes on the site. So basically what we have is a situation where the solar um, installer, the solar analyst, is up on a roof or on the ground and taking a reading and Here he is, and he's got this thing. And it's very likely that the thing is simply a tree to the solar installer. So what does that mean to us? So what that means right away, right now, is that the solar site analysis is performed by several different pieces of equipment for the current obstruction. The analysis output varies according to the instrument you're using, um, but it illustrates for the customer the current obstruction. So it can be performed by an architect on uh, CAD equipment for the current obstruction. So do we have any pattern evolving here? Current, excellent. So what's missing? Future, outstanding. So there is no piece of software out there. There is nothing out there right now, that allows us to calculate or estimate the future obstruction. There are only arborists able to do that. So, what does that mean? I gave you a hint. Money. There's a man who's been dealing with a lot of money in the last year, huh? <laughs> All right, so that means opportunities. But before I begin to outline the opportunities, let me say one quick word about solar installers and the solar industry. I spoke at the World Renewable Energy Forum earlier this year, pretty much this talk from the different side, saying how much arborists can help your business. Reach out to arborists, because they can do this for you and they can do that for you. And I got a tremendous amount of positive feedback, and I walked the trade floor for an entire day talking to people. Without fail, every single solar installer, every salesman, every everything, every single one, without question, said, oh, I love trees. I don't want to cut down any trees. We love them. I'm in this business because, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to plant trees. I'm, a, I'm an electrical engineer, and I can do electrical engineer stuff, and I thought I'd, you know, help save the planet. This is great. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks. What, what, took, what took you so long? Thanks. We appreciate it. So that's what I want to start with. They're all tree huggers wearing different clothes, basically. So three main areas of business opportunity that I see right now today where you can go out, get yourself a little bit of knowledge, and uh, start working uh, your networks a little bit more widely and get some more business. And for the uh, straight tree care service, solar safe pruning. And if they don't want to cut down their tree and they want to keep it because they love it, they like the view from the window, you can come back and do repeat maintenance. You can also start from square one or uh, maybe after a tree has come down and you can do some solar-safe siting and species selection according to some things I'm going to talk about here in a minute. You can also do consulting to the uh, solar industry, to architects, uh, to uh, the public sector to help them craft Ordinances. I don't know if you want to work with the public sector or not. I don't blame you if you don't. Uh, there's other places like special districts. In Colorado, we have a lot of special districts that manage property. I'm on the board of one, and we manage property. I've got over a million-dollar budget a year um, to do that sort of thing. So there's opportunities out there. So we have a new rule. First thing we have is a new rule if we're going to start uh, with some solar access. Is very common thing. Any You can always tell a tree person, walk up. Like that, right? And then sometimes you look down, just depends upon what you're doing, you look down. The new rule is look out to the south, rule number one. And you look out to the south from the roof. The next thing is, my wife uses this a lot. My wife runs Denver's Million Tree Initiative and uh, she uses this all the time and it works a lot. Right tree, right place, right reason. What's the reason? If the reason is solar access, you have a different tree palette. So this is one way. We all know this way, right? There's some Arbor Day folks here right now. And I like Arbor Day a lot. I'm not saying do away with this. I am just saying there's another way if you're talking about solar access. And so the tree size reverses in solar access. So this is your opportunity to start looking at your tree list. If you're a municipal forester, if you're a registered consulting arborist and you've been hired by a municipality to look at their tree list because it's inadequate, this is your opportunity to start highlighting trees that are solar safe, that can go uh, closer to homes. And maybe these coincide with your power line trees. Maybe they're a little bit smaller. Maybe they're a little bit more ornamental because they don't have to go in a right away, and they can shed a little bit of litter, and the homeowner can pick up some uh, extra flower petals from a magnolia or something like that. <clears throat> Excuse me. One thing that's good, we already know that trees planted in particular um, aspects of the house have more benefits in some places than others. This is work that was done in, in uh, Sacramento, and we know that across the country, Generally, trees planted straight west have the greatest economic benefit with regard to building conditioning. So for example, here in Phoenix, there's very little benefit to plant a tree to the southeast, but there's a great amount of benefit, the most benefit, to plant it straight to the west. That shades the house in the hottest time of the day, obviously. And so fortunately, that's nowhere near our solar access zone. So it already works out economically uh, as an economic reason for the homeowner. So our job is how to manage this little chunk right here, shading our solar panel, you know, and and is this the right species? Can it be pruned? Is there some solar-safe pruning, some maintenance that can go on, some repeat maintenance? What is that? But that is really the issue um, economically. So how do we do that? So... Every single one of these solar safe zones can be different, and these can be configured by you. And I did these myself. These are renderings that are done in SketchUp. A little bit of a learning curve, but once you get the uh, process down, all you need is a building footprint, and then the software will blow that up for you. And uh, you can draw your um, uh, roof pitch and go from there. And then you can move these trees around and find out when they shade. And I merely change the height on these things and move them around a little bit. This depicts the right-of-way in a typical suburban setback. And so these are 40-foot trees in the right-of-way and they're not shading the solar panel right now. Two stories the same way, two stories a lot easier because you've got a lot more play. But all of these can be configured by you using free software that's available on the internet, downloadable for free, as long as you have the computing power So at a different scale, at the street scale now, uh, I heard some of these conversations on the tour we went on yesterday, um, and I've heard them uh, throughout the uh, conversations I've had in the conference today about routing volume and some of these other things. And so now, here we have a solar array on the north side of the street. On the south side of the street, here are tall trees, still shading the pavement, uh, elongating uh, pavement longevity. and a little bit shorter, I exaggerated this a little bit, but shorter trees on this side of the street having a solar access zone. So what does that mean? Maybe that means that we can favor rooting volume on the south side of the street by having larger tree lawns and maybe smaller tree lawns on the north side of the street. Hopefully, somebody will get it and they'll plant a smaller tree because we know, Jim Urban just left, uh, I think, uh, we know that the larger tree that you need the more rooting volume that you need. And the closer that you get to the pavement from that tree bowl, the greater chance you have of breaking your infrastructure. So larger tree lawn on the south side, larger trees. Maybe that's an opportunity for us. Maybe in commercial areas as well, I really liked your uh, product. I think I want to talk to you about that afterwards. We are talking about maybe putting some of that product in the bike lane, moving out our infrastructure uh, into the street, easily accessible, that sort of thing. We can have larger trees uh, underneath. Uh, The younger public works folks really like these kind of ideas, by the way. At the neighborhood scale, maybe, We can talk about having areas that we know, if we have large uh, street trees in the right of way right here, they're going to be shading the solar array. So maybe that's our opportunity to consult with the municipality or a developer to say that you want to put in smaller trees in these particular areas. And you can choose those for you, but of course, on the one side of the street. Now we're talking about writing ordinances. Does anybody here really like working with city planners or city public works departments to start changing ordinances or specs or uh, construction drawings or anything like that? Who here likes to do that? There's, wow. One, you just did that. You just did that to be a contrarian. Well, there's really no need, if you don't want to, to write the code yourself. There's really not. They just The planning departments uh, have a new tool that was put up by the American Planning Association about urban forests. They can uh, reference that that material. Um, I'm working with the American Planning Association right now on some guidelines for historical preservation and solar panels. They're getting up to speed. The information's getting out there. They just need a little bit of information. They don't need a lot. Just enough maybe that's billable, but you don't have to write the whole thing. Maybe we just need to change our angle a little bit, and not think about having to write the whole ordinance, but maybe a couple few hours, several hours of consultation, give them enough information, do some critical reading, and step away and not having to get done in the silo. Because a lot of this stuff is already being done. So this is an aftermarket. There's no need to um, cut down this tree because it's going to Uh, shade the solar panel, none of us want to see this sort of thing. And so we can avoid these because there's examples already out there. There's arborists who are pruning trees uh, to clear the solar access plane to collect solar power. There are landscape architects who are thoughtfully placing trees uh, of the right size and species in the right area. Uh, by the way, they have this a lot more. Over in Europe, you have this. This is called building integrated photovoltaic, and so this is a type of roof tile that uh, collects solar energy. We don't have too much of that over here right now, but it's very common in Europe. Right? Yes. Thank you. Oh. Whew. Um, we are uh, having arborists out there consulting uh, for what kind of tree will go in front of a solar array that won't grow too large, but still looks good. We have, uh, this is in Portland, by the way, we have uh, folks out there who are going a little bit even more uh, green, and so not only are they doing doing uh, their, their solar arrays and their solar hot water, but uh, they're keeping their access plain, clear, and growing fruit at the same time. It's not for everybody, but some people are doing it. So at a larger scale, multifamily is a great place uh, to do um, uh, photovoltaic. And so I'd point out this little area right here. I don't want to point out any area like this, like these things right here, so I'm not going to do that. But I want to point out this area right here. This is a product of consultation about these type of trees, and they may grow up a little bit and do a little bit of shade, and so they set these back a little bit. So there's a collaboration going on between arborists, landscape architects, and the solar installers. So we already have examples of how it's being done. This is Sacramento, uh, where Partners is gonna be held in the fall this year. Um, This is a solar subdivision, so consultation in between uh, Sacramento Tree Foundation, uh, arborists, and the developers on where to site the solar panels and where to site the trees so they don't impact solar power collection. So we're not always gonna end up with a situation like this where we get exactly what we want all the time. But the point is that that there are business opportunities out there right now for us to expand our practice um, if we look for them. And it's not going to be perfect. Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. But there are business opportunities out there right now, and the solar industry is dying to have this help. They really want that help out there. They're looking forward to it. So, again, to repeat, these business opportunities for the tree care services, solar smart pruning. If you have something like that somewhere in your uh, literature, um, I would uh, hazard a guess that you're going to start getting some phone calls. Site design services for the consulting arborist folks. How do you uh, uh, convince folks that uh, this particular tree is the perfect solar smart tree? Uh, That is uh, a business opportunity right there. Um, All kinds of uh, business opportunities Uh, for the savvy consulting arborist, Hopefully I've introduced a couple of those uh, possibilities um, today to get your mind uh, going and your juices flowing about how to expand your business. Uh, Trees and solar panels are logical partners. We can still use trees to shade walls, to lower building conditioning costs. We can still use trees to um, have a view from your window we can still use trees as uh, curb appeal. We can still use trees for people just to feel good, to have a, you know an apple or a crab apple, uh, something for jam in the fall. We can still use these things. They're good partners. And the two industries are logical partners, and they want to work with each other. So bottom line is reach out to the solar industry. I think you'll find it won't take any more than a couple minutes where they will get it and they get it right now, and they'll understand, and it's not a hard sell, not a hard sell at all. You're offering a service that they need, and they want. So I want to thank you for your attention. We have a couple minutes for questions, right? And uh, the one thing I want to point out is that this is where the handout will be, and I've got more of my presentations and papers on my website, and you can play around with the software that I use, and I've got a couple other presentations on there as well. Thank you very much. This
0: concludes Dan Staley's talk on arboriculture and solar power. If you would like to learn more about arboriculture, you can find additional materials at the ISA Web Store. If you would like to receive CEUs for listening to this lecture, visit the ISA online store, CEU Quizzes. If you have recommendations for topics to cover in future podcasts, please contact the ISA at elearning at isa-arbor.com. Thank you for listening to this episode, which was brought to you by the Bartlett Tree Expert Company, caring for America's trees since 1907. Remember to subscribe to this podcast series and join us next time for another episode of Science of Arboriculture. Trees in every country. Trees.